So as I said last night, I'm going to talk a little bit to my sermon last Colnidre night, where I completely left the rails, I completely left my notes, and it's always dangerous to do that. Um, so I preached last Colnidre on on what doesn't work for so many of us about the metaphors of the High Holy Days and about images, metaphors in the liturgy of the High Holy Days. It had been a year where several people had said to me that they were kind of dreading the liturgy of the High Holy Days given things that had happened to them in the past year. And so I talked a lot um, last Colnidre about what what doesn't work for us, and it doesn't have to. We don't have to stay within those metaphors. We don't have to stay within those images, within that language. That's why we keep creating new machzorim, new prayer books, new sidurim, new language, new ways of talking and thinking about the things that are important to us and to use language that does move us. So one of the things that happened um, was that apparently some folks left here Hearing, the rabbi said on Kol Nidre night that she doesn't believe in God. And they were very distressed. And I thought, well, I didn't say I didn't believe in God. Well, although I don't actually believe in God, I experience God. That's usually how I talk about it. Um, But I realized because we liberal Jews are so uncomfortable sometimes with God language and people assuming what we mean when we say that word, we really don't use it very much. And we don't really talk about God very much. We don't talk about our God concept. We don't talk about what we mean when we say that. So most people, when we say God, think that we mean something that we don't mean. So I tell people the God that, that, that is represented by that word so often is is a God I don't experience either. But because we don't talk about it, it turns out people think we don't have a God concept, that we have no relationship to the terminology that is the terminology of the sacred. But that's not true. So I decided, well, how would they know that if you never talk about it? So it's going to be okay. I'm going to talk about God. It's going to be okay. When I talk about God, really, in 13 years here, I haven't spoken about it, so I can understand how people might not exactly understand anything about what we mean up here when we talk about that. So I am, as some people know, if you've learned with me, studied with me at all, you know that I am a Kaplanian Reconstructionist holy roller. (laughs) People belong to movements and denominations and they believe some of it, they don't believe, it doesn't really matter, whatever, it's it's the movement you found yourself in, whatever. I am a Reconstructionist Mordecai Kaplan holy roller. I grew up in a Jewish day school. I grew up after that in yeshiva high school where we had to cover our elbows and our knees. We played in Georgia, basketball in Georgia, in polyester, covering our elbows and long pants. 
So I know from a traditional background, I know from traditional God language, I know from those concepts, the liturgy, the practices, the rituals, the community, the language, the yearning, the trying to connect to what's bigger and better. All of that moved me so much as a young person. It held me, it saved my life in so many ways. This Jewish business of community, of sacred literature, of teaching, of wisdom, of really, really trying to figure out how to be better people. It spoke to me so deeply. And then at 16, I realized I was gay. And all of my world fell away. All of it. All of it. I knew I couldn't stay at Yeshiva High School. I knew what that meant. Everything I knew and loved fell away. And certainly, relationship to what I had been told was a loving force that we call divinity, that we call God, certainly my relationship with that concept was shattered forever. I had been told that who we are is what matters. How we treat people is what matters. How we behave in the world is what matters. Our character. And all of a sudden, that wasn't true. Now what was going to matter the most was who I loved. And it all fell away. It was a very, very painful, awful, horrible journey into the gaping hole at the center of my life. And I had no idea what to do with all of that yearning and longing, all of that connection, all of the gorgeousness of our tradition, all of the generations who spoke to me through the liturgy, who spoke to me through the music, through the practices that orient us in time. And so... I didn't talk to God. I was done. I was done with God. It's not for me. I certainly couldn't live into a relationship where I had been so betrayed. And so I spent my college years doing what folks do in college. You shouldn't do what I did in college. (laughs) And... Um, And it was a time of growth and a time of exploration, but I had nothing to do with God. And I would go to high holidays once a year, once a year, I would go on high holidays, but I couldn't go to Hillel. It wasn't working for me. It just wasn't what moved me about the tradition. And there wasn't really anywhere else to go. I couldn't afford to belong to a synagogue, obviously. And so I found myself in a Chabad segregated Mechitza right down the middle, congregation, where I could just sit and cry the whole time. And no one cared because everybody's crying in a traditional shul all through the high holidays. (laughs) And so I would cry and say, why do I do this to myself? I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going back. And then I would live into this gaping emptiness that was at the center of my life and my world. 
And then I came upon when I graduated and went back to Atlanta, Georgia, when I graduated Northwestern and went back to Atlanta, I was introduced to a reconstructionist synagogue where um, its outreach to gay and lesbian people was um, part of their mission. And I went into that service because um, my partner at the time said, if you don't go, you can't complain this high holidays about how lonely you are for all of those rituals and all of that music. You have to go or you cannot complain. I was like, not complain? Like, fine, one. I'm going to one. 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 And I don't want to hear about it again. One fakey, 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 high holiday, whatever. One. And I walked into that synagogue and it changed the course of my life. Because I opened the machzor and I found traditional language with alternatives below the line. I found different ways of understanding the God concept in just the many ways God is addressed through the machzor, through the Reconstructionist Kol Nishama prayer book. I heard a rabbi preach from the bima, from her heart, her, her heart. The rabbi was female. And she preached from a place of deep wisdom, deep rootedness in the tradition. And I'm like, where has this been? Why didn't anybody tell me about this? Why didn't anybody tell me that you could come be a part of this amazing Jewish tradition, this Jewish heritage, and have a God concept that is nothing like the traditional concept of a being that decides and thinks and acts on the world, a supernatural being. Reconstructionism, Mordechai Kaplan and his students truly taught and lived into and believed that God is not supernatural. That doesn't mean God isn't real in our lives. God is not supernatural. God is transnatural, according to Kaplan. Kaplan and his students believed God is in everything. If God is the animating force of the universe, how could it not be in everything? It, capital I. If it is the universe unfolding, how could it not be a part of everything that happens? Good and awful, both. God is within the world and God is bigger than the world. God is much bigger than anything we can possibly put into words. Bigger than anything we could possibly comprehend. That's what he meant. And his students and those who founded Reconstructionist Judaism, they wanted us to take seriously the presence of the divine in our heritage, in our teachings, in our strivings, in our yearnings, in our longings, in our failures, in our successes. All of it is expressive of divinity. We are the divine incarnate. And we believe there is something bigger than us. We have to believe that. A belief is something you have to get past the need of proof for. That's why I don't talk in the language of belief or faith. Because I don't believe, meaning there's no evidence, but I'm going to believe anyway. I experience with y'all. God, that's what we're doing here. Judith Ubik, 
God is a verb, right? We talk into our study all the time that really a noun is really not, it doesn't cut it. God is a noun. God is a verb. It's what we do together. It's what we create together when we reach out to each other, when we reach past our differences, when we reach past our fear and our suspicion and our cynicism and our hardened hearts. I know. If you harden, you protect. I know. And it's okay that that's our instinct. But the rabbis want us to be more than our instincts. That's the divinity they want us to tap into. The ability to grow and to trust and to risk and to love. It's hard. Yeah? That's why we have to come here. That's why we do it together. That's why there are not Jewish monasteries. (laughs) Because we're supposed to stay in the mix. We're supposed to stay in the mess. We're supposed to stay and do it together. Because when we live into the best of what we think about, when we think about what does it mean to live a life of holiness? If we God more often, if it's a verb, if we God it more often, what would this world look like if we believe, if we trust that there is something that runs through it all, under it all, beyond it all, and it unites us with all life on this planet? What if we really acted in line with that? I can tell you there'd be a lot more species that would be safe from extinction if we truly acted like we are connected. It is one web of being, of mystery, of unfolding, of crazy evolution. We are evolving, but we get to decide how and into what are we evolving. This is what it means To say that we trust and know and have experienced something that I choose to call God. Other people might say, why do you even need to use that word? What's the point of using that language if you don't believe in a traditional being? A supernatural being. Because I feel strongly that we have to use the sacred To talk about the ultimate. And I believe there is holiness. There's stuff that's holy and there's stuff that's not. And there's ways of behaving that are in line with holiness. And there are ways that aren't. And I believe it's important for us to label that. Sacred. Holy. The ground of all being. The mystery at the heart of reality. The unity of all life and all things deserves sacred language and sacred times and sacred expression and sacred music and art. And because we're Jews, food. (laughs) I believe that it makes us better when we use language that I understand other people have taken and done all kinds of stuff with. I get it. And so a lot of us shy away from saying God. I get it. I totally get it. But what if we could really reconstruct it? What if we took it seriously? 
that there is something to which we're connected, each of us, and that we're connected to globally. What if we took seriously what living in line with that would mean from us? That's what Yom Kippur is about. That's what sacred time, sacred practice, sacred literature is all about. How to help us live differently so that all life on this planet has the opportunity, the potential to thrive. The other word we don't like is salvation. It's our word. That's our word, salvation. Mordechai Kaplan defines salvation as every human being reaching their full potential, actualizing the highest ideals of what they want for themselves and their community. If that's salvation, sign me up. What if we did that? What if we really spent more time and energy in pursuit of that? However we do that. And what if we gave our children permission to live into their potential the way they see it? What fulfills them? What if we treasured all children in this world? All children. That is salvation. And Mordechai Kaplan and his students believed in founding Reconstructionism that it's on us to bring about the Messianic age. It's on us. There's no Messiah out there. There's no force out there that's going to come fix it. It's on us. And our machzor, our prayer book, talks a lot about the Messianic age that we can create if we take our teachings, our tradition Seriously. One of my favorite writers on theology is Anne Lamott. Who says, let's not get bogged down on whom or what we pray to. Let's just say prayer is communication from our hearts to the great mystery or goodness or Howard. To the animating energy of love we are sometimes bold enough to believe in. To something unimaginably big and not us. We could call this force not me and not preachers on stage with a choir of 800. Or for convenience, we could just say God. I'll close with the words of Rabbi Mordechai Kaplan. God is in the oneness that spans the fathomless deeps of space and the measureless eons of time, binding them together indeed, as we do in thought. God is the sameness in the elemental substance of stars and planets, of this our earthly abode and of all that it holds. God is the unity of all that is, the uniformity of all that moves, the rhythm of all things and the nature of their interaction. God is the mystery of life, enkindling inert matter with inner drive and purpose. God is in the faith by which we overcome the fear of loneliness, of helplessness, of failure, and of death. God is in the hope which, like a shaft of light, cleaves the dark abysms of sin, of suffering, and of despair. God is in the love which creates, protects, forgives. It is God's spirit that broods upon the chaos we have wrought, disturbing its static wrongs and stirring into life 
the formless beginnings of the new and better world. So may we help create that this coming year. Shana Tova.